0: You're listening to Weekend Joe, driven by Munginat St. Louis Acura, here on KlabesOnline.com. The fun and games start
1: after this. St. Louis Acura is excited to announce the opening of our newly remodeled service lounge. We sell pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models and take pride in servicing what we sell. We offer free pickup and delivery service and a complimentary car wash and vacuum with every service. We also have a full-service reconditioning shop on-site that can repair dents, buffers, and wheels. As the nation's only 29-time Acura Precision Team winner for customer satisfaction, we work every day to make St. Louis Acura better than ever for you.
2: The weekend just got more entertaining. It's Weekend Joe on Klaves Online, driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Hear from some of the big names in St. Louis and national sports every weekend. And now, here's Joe Roderick and me. I'm Andy Hanselman.
0: Hey, it's another week of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganaz St. Louis Acura, Munganaz Alton Toyota here on com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined
2: alongside by Andy Hansman. Andy, we have made it another month. It's unbelievable. I saw a meme earlier this week. It, it went like this. It was like, here, here's 2021 in a nutshell. January. February. March. April, May, June, July. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're four and a half months from Christmas now. Uh huh. Uh, we're going to be in 2022 before you know it, still dealing with masks and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Like the Cardinals came out with their 2022 schedule. And Andy, I, first of all, I'm going to rant here. It's going to be a mini rant. It's we're not, we're, I'm not, I'm I'm not, you know, going slapping any tables or anything like that. I am not a fan of major league baseball announcing their schedule in August.
1: Not a fan of we'll that.
0: I think they should do it. in November. Look at all of the other sports. Mm-hmm. Look at all. Look at the, all the other sports. The NBA. They, they released their schedule in the off season or they usually do this year was a, was different based on that. The NFL, the NFL releases their schedule after the draft. The NFL has found a way to make themselves relevant each and every month, and one of the ways they stay relevant in the months they're not playing is by the schedule release. And right. they have they devote an entire evening to it. Teams, their social media accounts go crazy over these uh, over over the schedule announcements. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah baseball trade deadline just ended. We're trying to figure out who's in the hunt for the postseason. It's like, oh, hey, here's who here's when we're playing teams next year. I mean, it is is
2: 162 games. I mean, you know,
0: but when for there are certain road trips that I think fans look forward to, I look forward to going up to Chicago for a Cardinals Cubs series once a year. I like to know when that is, and I don't need to know that in August.
2: Yeah, you I'm not at,
0: going to the, the cousin that I go to games with up there, like we're not texting on August 5th and saying, hey, can't wait to see you in May next year.
2: Uh it'll be early June next year, uh, when the Cardinals travel to Chicago for the first April, time. April,
0: April, Andy, April. The, the first
2: week of the season. It's that weird Monday off Tuesday play Wednesday thing. Yes up with that i mean I it's, the it's, the the, it's the first week of
0: the season the first week of the season you think <laughs> we're not gonna hit <laughs> so like yeah i'm again we're not gonna be sitting here talking about that or so I, 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 I can't get excited about it like andy i was very much looking forward to possibly going up to toronto in 2020 when the cardinals are set to take on the blue jays yes. That once again is in the cards for next year but i'm sitting here in august and that series isn't until july and i'm not going to look at it and go oh we're going to make my plans got to make these travel plans no it's in may that no 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 they the the cardinals are oh, they playing go there. In, yeah, in toronto yes
2: in confused. toronto in in july one thing standing out to me joe is the all-star break is a week later this year you know year. what uh, ben boyd pointed that
0: out to me as well uh, he texted me that because as uh, as you know, he and I um, will will travel to uh, some of these events together. Him for KMOX and me for whoever the hell I'm working for that year. Right, and we, uh, you know, we we travel together. And he pointed that out as well that it was a week later than it usually is. I don't know the reason why
2: for well, uh, I, for that. I read something that said it was in order for, to facilitate the Dodgers hosting the All Star Game in 2020 because they were supposed to host it in 2020. And so, this to facilitate the Dodgers in 2022. So it's just going to be a one-year thing, you think? I what it sounds like.
0: Okay, because it really
2: throws off. It throws off the balance of the season. It throws off that. I wonder though. I wonder
0: if this could be something that could generate more trades. Could. Because you have the week off, you have an opportunity to get players acclimated, and it's a couple days before the trade deadline. I wonder if maybe teams will use that and say, you know what, let's make a lot of trades during the four or five days that we have off. Could I wonder? Strong if That will be
2: the uh, the situation there. With that, he's come to town August fifth, sixth, and seventh. One uh, one year from this weekend. Right. I'm not gonna.
0: The only thing that that does for me, Andy, is I look at the schedule right now and I go, "Cool, this is when I can have the alumni game next weekend, and I don't have to worry about guys missing it to go to the Cardinal games."
2: <laughs>
0: Except the game will get rained out and move to a different date.
2: Right. And June 18th, they're in by Bo- they're in Boston. That'd be a yeah, fun that, trip. That would.
0: Be, I've never been to Fenway. That's uh, that's one that'll be on the list, but that's not one yeah. that I'll. Uh, that's not a trip I'll be making for uh for that. I did have the alumni game this uh, this past week and Andy you were there as the uh, as the MC as the PA announcer if you will. Yes. For the uh, for the event a day later than what it was originally scheduled due to not the rain so much as the field conditions caused by uh really just kind of a I, I want to say kind of a freak accident um kind of an issue with the tarp that uh, that was unforeseen. Yeah. As uh, the the field was not. I mean, again, if we needed to get the game in, absolutely needed to get the game in. Bet we could have made it happen. Well, we could have gone to Edwardsville. That again, not an option. This was Alton's alumni game, oh. Andy. Alton's alumni game. Uh, just- but we played it Sunday morning, and Andy, I, I am happy to admit that only one person who was there on the field on Saturday. Missed the game on Sunday due to being out too late on Saturday. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes.
2: Is that why he missed the game?
0: It it was, yes. Uh, The the gentleman texted me Monday night.
2: That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) No, Tuesday. um, Tuesday night is when he finally got. Tuesday night was when he finally got around to texting me. And what was funny was we had an after party scheduled for the game Saturday night. So... To not throw off too many people, I let the bar know ahead of time saying, hey, if our game gets rained out, we are still coming out there on Saturday night. We're just going to use it as just a get together and whatever. And then on Sunday, we're going to play the game in the morning. So we go out there and guys were, you know, we, we went out there much earlier than what we had originally planned to go out there. You know, the game was supposed to be at, We were supposed to be out there like five or six. And instead, we're out there at like three or four. And uh, you know, there's there's guys having beers and you know just chatting it up, whatever. And then this guy comes in and he starts to, hey, "Who wants a great bomb?" starts starts ordering rounds of great bombs, and people are joking about, "Oh, he's not going to make the game tomorrow." And uh, it happened. And then we're sitting there in the dugout before him. We're looking around. We're going, "Hey, where, where's he at?" We're like, "Oh, well, maybe he'll roll in around the third or fourth inning." So then he texts me on Tuesday. He's like, "Hey, man." Sorry, I didn't make the game. Heard it was a good one. You know, stayed out too late the night before. He's like, My bad. He goes, Feel bad. I missed it. I know you put a lot of work into it. I'm like, I don't, you know what? We we had enough for a game like that. You're you're fine, whatever. But I go, we really, I go, honestly, I said we were laughing about it. And I said we were waiting for you to roll up around like the third or fourth inning, just kind of dragging in there. He goes, Yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> he said he woke up at 9 45 for a 10 a.m. game
2: it's a good group of guys you have going on there 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 were two things I'm surprised about with that thing yeah one that you don't have players more recent graduates interested in playing in it
0: we the first year we did it we did have a lot of young guys involved I don't know why they're not back. I, I I have a few speculations on it, but nothing that I'm going to dive into. It's just no. going to be a recruiting thing that we, you know what? We need to recruit some of those guys uh, to come back and be younger.
2: And then second of all, I was surprised you guys played nine innings. Why? Well, most, most high school games are, are seven innings. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those guys look to be hurting after about four or five innings. And so
0: we, we had a thread going, we, so we have for this game, we have a, a Facebook page just to kind of go through and, you know, just to let news and notes and things like that, um, uh, that, that we have. And one of the, uh, so on Monday, I kind of just threw up there like an injury reports. <laughs> and some, some some of the ones coming back were pretty funny. Andy, I am coaching middle school baseball again this year. Mm-hmm. I have not been able to throw batting practice this week. Oh, no. <clears throat> so, well, first of all, to about the nine inning thing, the plan is always to play nine innings, regardless of the score too like because the more innings we play the more guys that can get out there the more at bats everything like the sure. plan is to play a 9 inning game okay and, and on top of that too i mean we also play with wood bats so right. also unlike a high school game we we use the wood bats because again andy we're we're older uh and our reflexes aren't the same so right. we we don't need uh you know we don't need a double walled you know aluminum bat to the ball just bouncing off of it at 100 miles an hour at us no not necessary so Andy, in the first inning, so I, this is, I was, I was very, the adrenaline was going for the game for me. This is the fourth I, year that I've tried to put it on. And this is the first year that I got to legitimately play in it. Yes. Um. So I was all about, so my, my two things I told, I told the team, I said, guys, listen, I said, I'm, I'm going to catch. Like I'm going out there. I'm catching. That's where I played in high school, college, wherever I caught. And secondly, I would like to try to play every other position. Which I also knew was not going to be possible because I was one of two catchers, right? So I was catching the first inning, and you know, balls in going down. I go to throw the ball down to second, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, my arm was feeling good and nice and loose, and I said, I can, I can throw the ball down to second for my knees. Oh, and I, I did. I didn't see this. You didn't. So I did, Andy. It was a line drive, knee high, down to second. Oh, nice. That was the last time I threw a ball hard the rest of the day. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed, Andy, but in one inning, I played short. and another inning, I played third. I did. And balls came to me both of those innings. I did notice that. And I bounced the ball to first.
2: I saw that. Well, I thought you were doing that on purpose.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was. I was doing that on
2: purpose because that's how far I could throw the ball. I thought you were doing it so that way the first baseman could dig it out a little bit easier.
0: That's I, I. knew I knew my limitations, so I knew. Hey, if I throw the ball and it bounces right there, I'll get it to the first baseman.
2: And luckily, some of those guys don't run real fast.
0: I, I, there was a lot <laughs> at one point in the game. <laughs> a guy came up, one of the more in shape guys mm-hmm. on the uh, on the red team, comes up to bat, and I can't. I was playing the infield. I was at. I was either an inning. I was at shorter at third. And I remember yelling to the other infielders, hey, guys, this one hustles. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he, he'll run hard out of the box. You don't have as much time. I'll t- tell you what I was most thankful for this year. Joe, I, I've tried to announce and run the scoreboard at the same time. Yeah. It's really just it's not a good situation. Uh, I, I've had your mom try to help me. Because uh, I'll, I'll say that that scoreboard is very, we'll call it finicky. Okay. And, and, and luckily, the, the lovely Dana was up there to help me out to uh, run the scoreboard. And she uh, she did a fantastic job.
0: And she was uh, probably able to help you with a lot of names and numbers in that as well. <laughs> you know, uh, knowing, uh, who, she, knowing a
2: majority of the guys who were out there. She was. She was. Yeah. There was really only one Kazanowski, who I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name. You You know what? You nailed the name and we were all shocked
0: about it. I every year I put his name down there. On the list. And I'm, I'm friends with the guy. I've known the guy sure. for years. I play fantasy football with him. So like we, you know, between that and the alumni game, I, I talk to this guy year round. Andy, every year I put the roster together for this game. I have to go and dig through old text to figure out how to spell his last name. <laughs> I, I do not know how to spell his last name. We just call him Kaz, and right. that's all it says on the back of his jersey. Right, is just Kaz.
2: Well, and that's what Dana said. Dana said just call him John Kaz, or just call him. Now batting number twenty four, Kaz. Yes, that and, would work. Uh, they said that would that would be, and he said that would be totally cool. But I'm like no I I got I'm going to say the guy's name. I'm going to, I'm going to get it right and I yeah. and I got it right. You know, during We it were for, very
0: we were very impressed by that in
2: the uh, in the dugout when you when you said that during the pregame introductions. D- uh during uh you know, doing it for 4 years now, um I've gotten to know I've, I I don't know the guys. I know a few of them, but I know I remember I remember how to pronounce their names. Yeah. And that comes you know, do you know where that really comes from Where that skill's been acquired? Wedding receptions. And having to announce all these names for these right. these huge ass wedding parties, um, I, I think I've pronounced just about every last name you could find.
0: I would I would think so. Yeah, there's there's probably some out there. Yeah, that you've had to really yeah get to uh get kind of a phonetic spelling of it.
2: So, but uh, luckily for me, I was up there for you know, when I was doing the pregame introductions. I was just calling the players out, and I would write down their number next to the uh. Next to the uh, to the name because you didn't put their numbers on the uh, on the roster this year. <laughs> I didn't,
0: and because I, I just kind of did the rosters a different way. I didn't do a whole book or anything like that. Right, that uh, no, was really it, nice. So, yeah. and then um, it was it was very caught, and as I told a lot of the guys too, because in the end, I mean, we ended up raising I I, I think over fifteen hundred dollars for the baseball program for uh, for everything we did that weekend. Incredible. Which yeah, it, it really is because. And I told them, too, I, I and I, I was I was very honest with the with the school and with a lot of the guys, too. And I said, guys, look, like I this this thing has been rained out multiple times. The date gets changed. Uh, there was a pandemic going on. I wasn't 100 percent sure it would go on like right. Jamie Burkhardt, the the GM, the owner at Munganai Salt and Toyota has been more than I mean, more as, as you know, just from knowing him has been just more than grateful with wanting to sponsor this game and helping out wherever he can with this game. And I've told him, I said you know, Jamie, I like, I don't feel like you've gotten your money's worth out of this, even though you are just helping the community and helping the baseball team. And I'm like, I'm not asking for sponsors this year. Like, you know, your, your stuff's good. Your signs are going to be out there. Your markings are going to be on the ball and wherever else. And I was like, I'm not asking you for any money to sponsor the game this year. You know, let's actually play the game this year right? (laughs) and get it out there. So I, you know, did not have any kind of sponsors and anything else that we usually would do. And just to have everything go off the way it did. I was, I was very happy.
2: No, it was it was cool to be it was cool to be able to play a uh, a full game, and and be a part of it. And I I appreciate you asking me to do it because I, I do have a lot of fun with it. So
0: yeah, at, at every position I went and played, the ball somehow found me everywhere I went too. I noticed so, that
2: too. You were superstar out there, man.
0: I I don't know if I would say that. I feel like we lost four to two, Andy. I feel like I cost the team at least two runs with my defense.
2: Oh, maybe.
0: I, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to nitpick. Yeah, I'm I'm going to do it. And you
2: shouldn't be so hard on yourself.
0: I will be. Thirty-six years old, playing an alumni game. I'm going to sit there and look at how I could have helped win the game. <laughs> but it was so the play I made at third in the ninth inning. Uh, I I came to the dugout and my my just incredibly supportive father comes over and he goes, "How the hell did you make that play?" <laughs> I said, I don't know. I looked at my glove, and the ball was there. (laughs) He goes, "Yeah, I could tell." So,
2: your parents are wonderful too. I always like seeing them.
0: Yeah, your mom. I I wonder. I know you made a comment of it, but I do wonder how many parents in
2: the crowd did not recognize me. Well, you know when when I when I when I announced your at bat the first time. I, I did want to refer to you as now batting number thirty five, his Lord and Savior, Joe Roderick. You see, that
0: might have been fine at Alton. I
2: don't know if that would have flown
0: if I went to Marquette's.
2: I I, I don't I I just I didn't wanna offend anybody. If it was it was the first <laughs> inning I, or second <sighs> inning and I just and I just didn't want to offend anybody. But so it's funny. It,
0: I was gonna say, like the uh, Dana up there and her mom. I, I wonder if they realized it was me or knew they, it was they up there. Because so I started coaching. I, I said the middle school baseball season started this year, and it's at Hudson School, which he did not attend last year. And I, I was the the principal's son is on the team, so I'm out there helping out. And I was just out there. My hair was down like it is now, and I was wearing a hat the other day. I'm just kind of out there doing stuff. And after practice, the principal comes up to me. She goes, I was wondering who the hippie
2: was out there coaching the team this year. I thought you were going to say that she ran over and said, hey, you homeless vagrant, get out of here. (laughs) And then she
0: says, she goes, I went to my husband and I said, have you seen Joe Roderick? I played softball all summer with her husband. Guess my name never came up because he was just like, yeah, we played softball together. And she's like, "Oh, so you've seen him?"
2: <laughs> God, Dude, it's so—it's just funny now, is what it
0: is. It really is. It's just the fact that I'm still seeing people that that have not seen it yet, right? Is and I—I I feel like I am—I feel like I am running out of those people. Except I, I think if I keep it all going until the Super Bowl, that that would be like kind of the end of it.
2: Is that when you're gonna cut it?
0: I at some point in 22, but I don't know when. Are you doing it for locks of love now? I will. So I want so my goal is to have at least 12 inches to where I cut it and it's still fairly long. Yeah. To so where I could still put you know. it back or wear a headband or something like that a fabulous mane I mean you, you which you, by the you, way the headband I got to wear uh that I've had that headband for two years now that I wore on uh that I wore this weekend oh nice the red bird
2: headband if you shave if you shave the beard I mean you you would look like a woman almost you think so you have very soft skin <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm not sure Joe you're getting some gray in your beard too like me oh god there's so much. And you oh, wait can just see your, the
0: streaks of it in the hair too. Wait till your early forties, brother. Yeah, I'm not.
2: Oh, the salt and pepper is going to look good on us.
0: No, I hate it.
2: Oh, it's fine. I'm not going to dye it though. I'm just going to let it go. Joe, who's on the
0: show this week? Hey, on the show this week, very excited uh, about the uh, the two guys we have on the on the program. Uh, first off, is Cardinal broadcaster John Rooney. Well, uh, he'll be on. As uh, John Rooney will not be on the call this weekend, so this weekend you will hear Klebes and Mike Shannon on the call because John Rooney is going to be in Branson receiving his induction into the Missouri Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, well, he's was, very very excited about that.
2: I was at the uh, Cardinal game last night, and they announced that over the PA.
0: They did. Yeah. So I. Uh, so yeah. Hey, he will be on the show uh, today. And we talk about his career and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to uh, to talk with him. Uh, he and Charles Earls are going into the uh, to the Hall of Fame this year in 2021. If you are wondering, Mike Shannon was part of the 2016 class into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jack Buck was in the 2012 class along the 2012 class was Jack Buck and Jay Randolph, senior
2: icons. Yeah. Absolute icons. John Rooney's an icon as well. He is. Did you guys talk about how he says the word Chicago? We, uh, we,
0: we, so one of the things you'll, you'll hear about one of the um, early critiques that he had, uh, that he was given about the way that he calls a game and how, it has really kind of changed or I, I shouldn't say change. Cause I think it was the, the story he tells. It was one of the very first high school games he called was the way it was critiqued. And he said that he realized it and he's been doing it a different way ever since then. And as he's sitting there and he's talking it out, you are just listening to every Cardinal play that you've heard on the radio for the past 15 years. Right. The way it's coming out of, out of, out of his mouth and yeah. the way that I have heard a baseball game called legitimately for the last 30 years right uh, the way out of his uh you know the way he says it so it was um yeah it's always great and i always and i'll say it now and I, you hear you'll hear it in the interview i will always tell him every time i talk to him i don't care if he gets sick of it or whatever i will always let him know that he is one of the reasons why i i wanted to get into broadcasting so
2: yeah. I, um, I will, I will always tell him that every opportunity I have. It's incredible. I mean, I, of course I, you know, I had my, I had my influences as well. You know, I was a, I was a big fan of Jack Buck and Dan Kelly. And I, I really, I really liked Mike Bush on television. I mean, I, I was, that was something I, I always thought I would be good at. Um, and then I, I remember when I was like 19 or 18, I was talking to my mom about it. I was like, mom, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. I don't know if I want to be super famous like that. I don't know if I need that kind of attention or not. (laughs) Because Well, you do what you want to do, honey, it's okay. You can do it. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, all right. Well, I'll just I'll go sell doors. Don't 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 do do that. Please 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 don't do that. (laughs) And then there was also the guy you listened to uh, that we saw that in Louisville. Right, so that on.
0: wasn't so much, uh, that wasn't so much influential. You're talking about uh, Bob Valvano. That's right. Or, uh, yeah, Bob Valvano. Jimmy yeah, Bob. Valvano was the uh, the coach. Uh, Bob Valvano does does radio, sports radio now in Louisville. He also, I think, coached for a bit. Um, But, yeah, he, um, but that's just one, I would, I mean, it would be like midnight, and I would just be listening to his show when I was, that, that was a little older. I, I feel like I'd already moved down here when that oh, okay. happened. Yeah. It wasn't like you know just listening to to White Sox games for oh, you know yeah. every night, yeah, like that. That was one that that's where Bob Valvano is where uh, for longtime listeners will remember match game. <laughs>
2: It's time for match game night Yeah,
0: which I I, love- I still is one of the one of the coolest things I have done was telling Bob Valvano how bad right <laughs> it was when we tried to do it. <laughs>
2: I remember the conversation; it was hilarious, it was positively hilarious. <laughs>
0: hey, remember the thing you used to do every night on national radio that worked? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried
2: to do it locally. And it was terrible. Well, you only tried it once. You didn't let it breathe. It should have aired at least five times with that damn intro I recorded.
0: I feel, I feel like we played the intro a lot. I think Jay and Hoff
2: just shit on it
0: so much that it just made me never want to do it again. <laughs> Because they yeah, they were they were both they were both very heavy critics of it. I do enjoy this. Get
2: ready to match the stars. Peoria Plowboy. Chris Gardner. Doug Vaughn. Benjamin Hawkman. Jay Randolph Jr. Brian Hoffman. Frank Cusimano. As we play the star studded, no money, match game 920. And now here's the star of match game 920, Joe Damn good. It's pretty good. It's damn good. That's a pretty good Johnny Olson impression. Yeah. God, we
0: should send that to Bobby V. <laughs> I'll forward you the email with the stuff in it. Right. <laughs> Man. He, all- uh, recently, he was, um, I, I it's, he, he tweets every now and then, um, yeah, he, uh, he he was he was dealing with uh, with some cancer. And as of the uh, as of August 2nd, he he tweeted out. So as of Monday, he tweeted out that he's now in remission. So, um, yeah, he uh, he'd been dealing with that for a while and missing uh, missing some time over at uh, ESPN Louisville. So, um, yeah, very, uh, very good news with uh, with that and Bobby V. So maybe now we can reach out to him. <laughs> good yeah be
1: awesome.
0: yeah because that was why I wanted to reach out to him before we went to Louisville um for my race so <clears throat> so yeah that, that I wanted to do it and I um I, I you know I knew he was dealing with that so I did not and now I don't remember if I have his number or not or if I just have his email or what I think you got his number did I I think so. it was playing bocce ball no, 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 no. He was emceeing a bocce ball tournament. He was emceeing the bocce ball tournament. Okay. Yes. UMC alumni games, uh, high school games. Bob Valvano was asked to uh, um emcee a bocce
2: ball tournament derby week. I emcee a lot of stuff. Yeah. People like my voice. I do a lot of trivia nights. I keep those people under control, too. They try and get all rowdy. And I'm yeah. like, nope, not happening. Not on, <laughs> not on my watch. Not up in here. Not up in here. Ah. Oh. <laughs> So,
0: uh, so yeah, we, uh, as we, as we go through, I'm trying to think of other, uh, the Olympics ending this, uh, this weekend, uh, yeah, what's,
2: your, uh what's your interest? I was going to ask you, what's your interest in the second week of the Olympics? Mine is diminished by about 90%.
0: I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I just, I'll, I, it's, for me, it's just something to have on. And honestly, yeah. at the gym that we have a TV in the lobby, that has not been turned on since we reopened last year and i think part of that too is i was always i would always turn on dan patrick and dan patrick's not on regular tv anymore right um but i i have finally turned it back on for this week
2: okay i think that the stuff they aired during the day is more fun than the stuff they aired during prime time but prime time is for the ratings you know absolutely it is i mean they're they're their ratings are down huge from Rio, huge, huge, huge. But they're still drawing 15 million people a night. Whereas CBS and <clears throat> CBS, ABC and Fox, actually Fox, for the first time ever, averaged less than a million people on weeknight viewership last week.
0: I wonder though if you go all over the other uh, other stations, networked, Peacock stuff like that, how how it plays because that's the thing that just the time change of some of the events in prime time, like that's where it loses me. I would much rather during the day, watch a live event. Right. Than than that, like the, I, you know, the basketball game was on on Saturday. They, the, I don't remember who they were playing, but they blew out a team. I had already seen the score. I had no right. interest in it.
2: Right. And that's, that's a big part of it too. The swimming was live. They, they did it live. And it was early in the morning. Yeah, it was like ten thirty in Japan. No, it's yeah. They would. It was like ten thirty in the morning in Japan that they were right. swimming because it was on prime time here. So yeah, uh, I, I like the swimming and really uh, my my favorite event is uh, they usually air it at eleven o'clock on Friday night of the first week in his trampoline gymnastics where the great dong dong appears.
0: They had speed walking today, Andy. Oh, did they? Yes. Uh, they
2: also had the uh, the park skateboarding. Where they were like, you no, know, most I think most of the last week they were like going down rails and stuff. Now they're like in a bowl and doing tricks and stuff. Yeah. That's been fun to watch. We were taught, we were discussing Joe. How do you get involved with water polo? It was my it was my opinion that you have to go to a really rich kind of prep school to be involved in water polo. I I don't think so. I think it's big in California. I just I mean I, all, those, all those schools have pools.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of being able to swim and then you just like throwing the ball around and you get strong enough to where you can just wade water for a real long time. You ever played water polo? I mean, and so in um in high school, uh, I was able to take swimming for my two of my three PE credits. So okay. I was able to take swimming two years, two summers and knock those out and sure. then have less of a, a less PE credits to, to do it. So I have to take PE during the year. And oh, okay. so, so yeah, we would do that. And I would, we play water polo sometimes during that. So
2: nothing competitive, like it no, was just, you know, no, in, I, in a gym class. But I remember that we would, we had, we would play at the pool too. And we would had, we play in the deep end uh, from side to side. Um, and they would, uh, they put up two nets or you know, two goals and play, Seven on seven. And you guys
0: fancy in Edwardsville your nets and goals. Yeah, I know. Well we we'd, also,
2: we'd, we'd no. lay out a long uh a long chair, a lawn chair or
0: whatever, a reclining chair, and lay it out, and you'd have to hit that.
2: You know, Joe, the real game of choice at Sunset Hills Country Club pool when we were kids was gutter ball with a nerf ball. What's that? So the pool had if you go to the edge of the pool, there's a little ledge. Yes. And then it goes down into a gutter, and then it comes back up, and then that's like where the pool deck is. Uh-huh. And so you'd have one or two guys on each side, and you'd have a Nerf ball, and you would have to get it. If you got it in the gutter, that was one point. If you got it on top of the of the apron around the pool, that was two points. But if you got it on the little area, just because the little area between the pool and the gutter like the little lip was only about two inches wide. And if you got the ball to sit on there, that was worth five points. And there were some mean matches going on. And this is across this is across the width of a six lane pool.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of something similar where you try to like skip it into the gutter. Depending because I mean, pools have different, you know. Sure style gutters or what have you. So I'm trying to think we of of a game. I mean, that sounds similar to something I remember playing as well. Yeah. We just, we just called it gutter ball. Yeah. The game people we had, we had a game in high school in the parking lot that we'd call pit ball. Okay. That ended up um, getting uh, by the time I was around my senior year, we were not allowed to play pit ball anymore, which was essentially, I think of it as handball pickleball type of a game where you would yes. use the lines in the parking lot. And it was a two on two game where you was basically like pickleball, but with your hands. Okay. And the games would get so intense and the cars would get, you know, you dive onto the hood of cars to try to save the ball. Uh-huh. And I think that's what kind of, you know, that the the, game a bit outlawed.
2: There was also a T there was a game that we'd play on the t box that had a name and the the goal was to it was almost like horseshoes get with you hit by hit, hitting your golf ball as close to the other t marker as you could without hitting it mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was fun I,
0: that game so if you ever play, if you've played well i know you've played rolling hills but on the front nine i want to say it's the seventh or eighth hole yeah w- where you drive it over water correct in the middle of the water, like very uh, short distance away from the tee box. There is a huge like manhole out there. Yes. And I remember anytime I, when I used to golf and I don't know if you've done this as well, but you would try to chip balls into this large, like sewer manhole in the middle of the lake.
2: Uh, we have done that before. There's, there's things like that out at Oak Brook. Uh, okay. In that where we would, where we would, we go find some junk balls and, and we would have chipping contests into the, uh, into the thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we were told not to do that anymore because it might clog up the, uh, clog up the drain. So
0: uh, the stupid games that we would make up and play. It was fun though. Right. I mean, you yeah, don't, don't, don't stymie young people's
2: imaginations. No, not at all. Fun games. Cutter ball is some of is some of my best memories ever. Right. And also so, like, Andy, like yeah. shark, diving off the diving board. You had one guy in the middle. You had to try and catch as many people diving off the board as you could. To what? You to do that at summer sport.
0: Trying to do what? Catch somebody jumping off of a diving board.
2: Yeah. Well, once they hit the once they hit the water, you tried to round them up. Try to round up round up as many people as you could.
0: I'm not sure what the I don't I don't get it. I don't think I get it.
2: You're trying to capture people. It's like a like an army game.
0: Like you're jumping I, off the off
2: the diving board and trying to land on people. No, 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 no. You're in the water. Okay. You're waiting for people to jump off so you're, so you're kinda of like standing back like on the slope up to the shallow end. Okay. Okay. And you're waiting for people to jump off the board and you have to figure out who you can try to catch and put like into jail.
0: Oh, gotcha.
2: And so then the then the then the team that catches the most people wins. Gotcha. You had to you had to buy candy bars on your parents' account for everybody. Tweet what? us some of your stupid games that you
0: played us. Uh, at Joe Roderick, at emo six. I've liked. It seems like there's been quite an uptick recently in uh, in interactions on Friday, Saturday of the shows, of uh, of people sharing their stories, uh, sharing their their stuff with us over what we talk about. And I like that because you know what we're doing this recording this show on Thursday. And you're not listening to it until Friday, Saturday, whenever. So I enjoy when we get uh, some of that feedback. uh, I like that, too. uh, Please to me, too. Talk to me.
1: Reach out. Um, So,
0: yeah. This is, hey, this is weekend, Joe. Hey, driven by ass St. Louis Acura, Ass Alton Toyota. I mentioned Jamie Burkhart earlier in uh, in the program. Jamie texted me. Earlier this uh, this week, to let me know that uh, they have over 300 pre-owned vehicles to choose from right now in the month of August. Go to the website altontoyota.com or stlouisacura.com, and you, right there on the website, you can search through those 300 pre-owned vehicles that they have and find the car that is right for you at munganassstlouisacura.com. St. Louis Acura. Mungan asks Alton Toyota, the title sponsors here of Weekend Joe. We take a break when we come back. John Rooney followed. Did I mention who else was on the show today? Yes. Did I, I just mention John Rooney, or did I mention also Joe Goldberg on the show today? Oh no, you said somebody else. I thought. No, no, John Rooney and Joe Goldberg on the show today. Yeah, Joe Goldberg from uh, Fox Sports Kansas City, Fox, or I should say, Bally Sports Kansas City. He is the Jimmy the Cat Hayes for the Kansas City Royals, and the Royals are in town this weekend.
2: So I uh, I saw Joel Goldberg on TV when I was down at the lake a couple weeks ago because that's they have Valley Sports Kansas City at the Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah.
0: It was a lot of fun to uh to talk with uh with Joel yeah. and it's uh, he will not be at Bush Stadium this weekend because TV crews are not traveling. So uh Joel will not be here in Bush, but you can see him uh on on Fox Sports Kansas City but he is looking forward to a lot of the St. Louis media that will make their way to Kansas City next weekend. Joe.
2: Yes. Did you by chance give him I I I don't know if he's ever going to let it down but he thought he he thought he had Guy Fieri in the uh in the in the stands at at Kauffman Stadium. I didn't know this story and it wasn't Guy Fieri. Oh. It was a guy Fieri, it was a Guy Fieri lookalike. I, you know what, we've all been
0: there. We've all been there. I get it. I know. I've, it's it happens to the best of us. He does tell a funny Tony LaRusso story, though. Um, so it's uh, yeah. He he has a very very good Tony LaRusso story to share with you as well. So John Rooney, Joe Goldberg, those are our guests coming up today. We will be back to wrap things up with Crack Slippers after those right here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Alton Toyota right here on KlabesOnline.com. The InSkip Law Firm wants you to know that whether you need a will or trust, long-term care planning for a loved one, a special needs trust, or more, that you've come to the right place with them. Maybe you don't know what you need. At the InSkip Law Firm, they explain everything that you need to know and they answer every question. And their process is easy, straightforward, and understandable. There's no preparation necessary and nothing to bring. Their services are customized to suit your unique needs and wishes, and they will work with you to uncomplicate the complicated. The InSkip Law Firm prides themselves on responsiveness and quick turnaround. You'll always know the fees up front and always receive a personalized plan that reflects your own unique needs. You can call now to set up a COVID-safe in-person or virtual consultation at 314-818-0344 or find them online at inskiplaw.com. And welcome back in to Weekend Joe, driven by Mung St. Louis Acura, here on uh, clabsonline.com. Hey, this weekend, Mike Claiborne's going to be on the call on KMOX with Mike Shannon, because this man is getting inducted into the Missouri Broadcasters Hall of Fame, and he's John Rooney. John, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations.
3: Well, thank you very much. It's a great honor, and uh, I'm really uh, taken by the chance to uh, join so many wonderful Missouri broadcasters in such a, uh, a great organization there. And and uh, I'm uh, basically speechless about it. It means a lot. And I thank Mike Claiborne for filling in for me this weekend.
0: Uh, and, you know, it's you, you say, you, you talk about how much it means to you. I know this isn't the first Hall of Fame and first honor that you've had in your long career. That uh, What makes this one so special?
3: It's my home state. And I started as a Missouri broadcaster, uh, it'll be 50 years ago on August 21st at a station in Lexington, Missouri, one of Ken Meyer's stations. And I know Ken just sold his stations in Springfield recently, as uh, he has been a, a lifelong broadcaster. And I appreciated that opportunity back in 1971 But to be in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame and now the Missouri Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame, uh, it means so much because it is my home state and people that I worked alongside and worked with so many years coming up. And I I did move on, uh, worked in New York at CBS, worked in Oklahoma, I've worked in Kansas. And uh, and I've been so blessed to be honored in those states uh, for broadcasting in those communities as I was in Oklahoma City, doing the 89ers games for a couple of years in Oklahoma City University basketball and in Kansas. uh, I did uh, a lot of high school games and Pittsburgh State games when I was in Pittsburgh and was fortunate to win a Sportscaster of the Year award there in Kansas and then moved to Missouri where I did the Missouri Tigers for so many years and then worked at uh, KMOX. And I was the first sports director at Missouri Network in 1978, working with Clyde Lear and Bob Pretty at Missouri net and then got a big break through Jim host to do the final four and then got a job at CBS while I was still doing some things for KMOX. So that's why it means a whole lot. There's so many connected people to the state of Missouri who definitely pushed me along the way and helped me that I wouldn't be where I am today without that help.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, and now you, you talk about that 50 year career and at, at no point I, I would imagine 50 years ago, did you think you'd be able to sit in a car and record an interview like this over, uh, over video?
3: Well, I was talking about that today when I was doing a, an interview with uh, my afternoon shot on X with Dave Glover. How we can roll down the highway, do the three or four minute shot that we used to have to pull off the road and at least get to a payphone to uh, do that, and it sounded terrible over the scratchy phone lines for so many years. But it was Bob Hyland who started Sports Talk Radio way, way back in the day, where Jim Butler used to hold the phone up to his ear and then take the calls, listen, and then answer over the microphone. And you could hear his breathing over the telephone. And Mr. Hyland called the studio to John Toller, the veteran engineer, and said, uh, John, tell Butler to stop breathing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think he quite meant it that way, but uh, how far we have come with the uh, technology and then what they call mix minus over the microphone where uh, you can uh, talk and then uh, listen without any feedback.
0: And now I mean, this past year, I know you guys are back out on the road. I can't imagine how challenging for somebody like you, that's called games for so long to then have to revert back to the way that you were calling them on a TV screen over radio over uh, the 2020 season and then part of part of this year as well what what had what was that like for you
3: it's acting you have to act like you're there Mm -hmm. you have to put it in your mind that you are in the box you're looking down on the field calling the game the only problem with that is you're at the mercy of the director you have to call what the director shows you the director's not in our ears so you don't know where he's going and many times the director misses a shot and if he misses the shot, I can't tell you what's happening. Listening to Chris Kerber call a game off the monitor one night, he talked about one of the players skating to the corner and off the screen. And <laughs> That's about the way it was. Uh, home run that Justin Williams hit off the foul pole in Dodgers Stadium. I didn't see it. I saw the ball drop, so I guessed it hit the foul pole. That's the way I called it. I was right, but I could have easily been wrong. I could have hit a guide wire and dropped. And been a foul ball, but it was a home run, but the director didn't show us. And uh, we had uh, an ESPN Sunday night game in 2020 where Tommy Edman hit a leadoff home run. And I guessed it was a home run because after he hit the ball, the shot we got was of David Ross in the dugout for the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And I guessed right, the ball just went in the basket. I got lucky, but uh, we had a uh, YouTube game where they didn't show a pickoff throw that got away at first. The Cardinals scored a big run to make it two to one or two, nothing uh, at Milwaukee. And they went on to win that game, but that run was kind of important again, I guessed, but I thought uh, it was thrown in the dirt, but it was thrown about a foot over the first baseman's head, but it was a wild throw and an error. And I got that part of it. Right. Uh, A lot of it was guessing, but most of it was acting like you're right there in the press box. The game's in front of you, call it like you would if you were there, but one of the problems of having to do a remote broadcast, if, announcers were stuck for two or three years doing that, it wouldn't take long until we had no idea how a ballpark plays or what the little nuances of the ballpark uh, would be that we could pass along to our audience. Uh, you can't smell the hot dogs or in San Francisco, you can't smell the garlic fries and all that and and get that feeling and and you really can't hear the sound of the the birds flying in for dinner right at the end of the ball game in San Francisco, those things you would never know or never have an idea about uh, bringing up during a broadcast, unless you're sitting right there in the ballpark.
0: And then after all of that, that whole year of being at Bush stadium, calling road games, your first game back was, was at Wrigley. They couldn't even send you to a nice broadcast booth for that first one.
3: Yeah, but I didn't care. Uh, I, I could have been up on the roof of Wrigley doing a game just to be in the park, to call the game, And uh, to see if it is a strike on an appeal to an umpire at first or third, directors don't show that often either. And we didn't get that very much on the screen. Uh, And they have improved the booths. They made them a little deeper. They're not wider, but uh, no pigeon poop uh, on the desktop when we got there.
0: Do you remember the first sporting event that you called in your career?
3: Absolutely. I was calling a Richmond High School, Wentworth High School basketball game in the Missouri River Valley Conference Tournament at Wentworth uh, Military Academy in Lexington. I just had to pick up the gear at the station outside of town, drive over, set up, do the game. And it was uh, a quick game. High school games normally are. And when I got back to the station, there was a guy named Gary Franklin who was working the night shift. He went on to become a program director at a rock station in Junction City, Kansas that had a big audience out there in uh, Kansas and then went on to work for uh, Uh, a big record label in new york after that so this guy knew what he was talking about and he said you know you do a pretty decent call of a of a basketball game the only thing that bothers me you end every sentence on an up note like he passes to jones he passes to johnson he passes to smith said put a uh, period on the end of the sentence every now and then and you'll have a nice little flow so i tried it the next game and he was right things seemed to work much better Uh, and and basically broadcasting is uh, nothing but putting a lot of short sentences together taking a breath and coming right back and calling what you see again but that uh, first game was was a good one my high school one i used to broadcast the um the junior varsity or play in the junior varsity game and then broadcast the varsity game and my speech teacher was my uh analyst uh he he was a broadcaster in his college days in oklahoma city And so uh, he was able to help me out and point me in the right direction with a few things. And then I got uh, lucky when I went to Mizzou that I worked with Malin Aldridge at KFRU. And I got to do some Missouri basketball because the athletic department awarded the network rights to KMOX. But they let Malin do at least the local games in Columbia because he started the Missouri Sports Network some 30 years earlier. So I got great experience. And I, I say I'm a graduate of the University of M, the University of Malin. Uh, because he taught me a lot, and I got to work at his station, and that was a big thrill, and went from there back to Lexington, Missouri, where I started, down to Okmulgee, Oklahoma, then to Pittsburgh, Kansas, and then to Missouri Network, and we move around a lot in this business, but the moves I made, uh, I didn't have a lateral one. They all uh, happened to be moves up, and sometimes uh, up to the stratosphere. Uh, When I was at KMOX the first time, I wasn't ready for that, I was almost like the rookie who was overwhelmed by the 40,000 in the crowd, and I had the likes of Jack Buck and Dan Kelly and Bob Starr and we had Gary Bender in there with Bob Costas, and, and I was like the 10th guy on the staff at the time, and so um, I was nervous every time I got near the building, let alone in front of a microphone, but the second time I came back in 84, having done uh, four years of minor league baseball. And Donald, I uh, had done a lot of college basketball. I was ready for camel X at that point. And then I got uh, kicked upstairs to New York and Jack called me, uh, Jack Buck called me and said, what did you do to Highland? He couldn't stand you when you were here, but now you're his fair-haired boy. Now you're in New York. And, uh, it worked out and he brought me back to do some, uh, sports open line after playoff games in 85. And, and then, uh, in 86, I, I did 85 and 86, a lot of game of the week for CBS Radio, 87, I went to the Twins. They won uh, the World Series over the Cardinals that year. Got a chance to go to the White Sox. And uh, 18 years later, they won a World Series. And uh, I also did some Bulls games, uh, got started during the strike year of 94 as Jerry Reinsdorf also the chairman of the board of the Bulls, as well as the White Sox. And I got a ring with their first championship and then came to St. Louis after the White Sox won in 05 and the Cardinals won in 06. And got to go back to back. And then the Cardinals went back in 11, won that, went to the World Series in 2013. And as uh, Chris Carpenter looked at me after the parade in 06, you just show up and get a ring. But it took 18 years in Chicago, so I had to show up and stand around a long time for that one. But being in the right place at the right time around winning teams, uh, I've been more than blessed, no question.
0: I've said this to you the times that I've uh, I've met you in person and had you on uh, the various radio shows before, but I grew up listening to you call White Sox games as a young kid in Lansing, Illinois, and I, I do think that listening to you and Ed Farmer kind of pushed me in the direction of joining radio, and I will thank you for that each and every time I talk to you, and I will do it again here, that uh, you were the voice of my childhood, and I, uh, I greatly appreciate all the time and all the memories of uh, listening to your voice call not only White Sox, but Cardinal games now as well.
3: Well, thank you. Undoubtedly we pushed you because you knew you could do better uh, than <laughs> listening to us. Uh, no question about that. Uh, one thing uh, that you know, Farmer, Yo and I did, we had fun. And I told Ed when he got into that, that if you don't have fun, if you don't sound like it, then the fans will not have fun. They won't have a good time with it. Why would they listen then? If they don't want to actually be there, if we're not having enough fun to make them want to be there, then forget it. And we had a team in 94 that I think would have contended and and could have won the World Series. But we'll never know because the strike wiped out the end of that season, wiped out the whole postseason, and unfortunately wiped out a World Series. The next year, most of the bullpen was gone. The team wasn't good. And we had that ridiculous uh, situation in spring training with replacement players before the real guys came back. But once we got started, uh, the team wasn't very good. Yet our ratings were pretty good that year, uh, not far off from what the Bulls were getting in their postseason for a team that wasn't playing very well in baseball because Ed and I, we did baseball. We didn't necessarily do White Sox baseball that year, but we covered the White Sox, but we covered all of baseball. And that was fairly easy to do because I was doing national games on CBS radio and Ed had been a scout. And had seen so many players and had so many connections with uh, coaches and managers and players along the way that I think that worked. And with his dry sense of humor and what I could bring into it uh, from that standpoint, and then try to call the play by play to make the fans feel like they are there and want to be there. I thought that was a good combination. And uh, I hope I get the chance to go to Chicago the night they honor Ed Farmer. I think they're putting that together as Ed passed away in November or in April, uh, during the the COVID shutdown and they haven't been able to properly honor him for all those years with the White Sox. But in, in coming to St. Louis and working with Mike Shannon, uh, a similar situation that, that Mike's uh, prep has been going down on the field, being in the clubhouse and being around the game so long as he has been. I know that's taken away a lot from him the last couple of years to be unable to uh, go just sit in the manager's office and catch up with what's going on because we can't go in the clubhouse, but that kind of thing, um, I, I've tried to use those same principles, but with Cardinal baseball, uh, the fans have been tuning into Cardinal baseball uh, way, 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 way back with the hall of fame broadcasters up and down the lineup that uh, it is our duty to keep that kind of uh, quality going in the booth. And then the, the next people who come along, it will be their duty to try to put that much into it as well. And that's the way I look at it.
0: Absolutely. That 94 World Series between the White Sox and Expos would have been uh, would have been something that uh,
3: that year could have been. It could have been. But then Kansas City saying, wait a minute, we weren't that far behind and Cleveland Indians weren't that far behind. And you see what the Indians were on the verge of doing because they won in 95 as John Hart built a team to win the division (laughs) and win the league. But he didn't have a team to win the World Series. He was a pitcher too short in the bullpen and then tried to rectify that Uh, by the time they played uh, the Marlins. And what do you know? Still a pitcher or two short when the Marlins beat them in 97. But uh, that White Sox team was pretty good. But they didn't uh, get in position until everything fell in place in 2005. Everything Ozzie Guillen told Kenny Williams he needed, Kenny went out to get for him. And nobody saw Bobby Jinks coming. Nobody saw that at all. What a hard-throwing right-handed reliever with uh, a lot of courage. And uh, the way he uh, attacked batters, one of the big reasons that uh, the White Sox won it all that year.
0: That, that, that series, that ALCS against the Angels that year, the way they just ran through them with the pitching, I, I don't think we've seen anything like that in postseason.
3: Yet, without A.J. Pruszynski stealing first base, <laughs> the Angels probably would have won that series. The Angels would have won that ballgame. Yeah. And if we had replay in place then, like we do now, A.J. would have been out on strikes. I knew Escobar was going to throw Pruszynski a forkball, going to throw him the splitter. So I watched the monitor for the call and sure enough, it was a split finger pitch. Don Paul was their catcher, a former White Sox catcher. He caught it. I'm writing down strikeout, giving the the summary for the inning. And Ed goes, wait a minute. AJ is running to first. I said, did I miss the bat hitting the glove on an interference or what? And then a couple of seconds later, it dawned on us, AJ is saying the ball hit the dirt. And I'm looking at Ed going, it did not, but the umpires talked about it and they go, yeah, I'd hit the dirt, so go to first base. So And that turned that, turn, that series around. And A.J. was here
0: in St. Louis when you were here in St. Louis. He's been here for Fox also at times. Right. Has he ever admitted that the ball never hit the dirt?
3: I, I never talked to him about that part of it. Uh, all I've talked to him about is that's a pretty headsy play, that without that play, you're probably not wearing the world championship ring. And I asked him, my uh, Simon Wrigley, earlier this year, I go, hey, how's my favorite catcher doing? He says, oh, you love Molina. And I said, yes, we love Molina. He's one of my favorites too. I love Johnny Bench and Carlton Fisk. But as far as uh, you know, guys who uh, just hate to lose and, uh, and the connection we have with the White Sox uh, the, when he first came there and then uh, in the World Series in 05, uh, AJ is one of my favorite people all time. Forget the fact he's a catcher and a baseball player. He's a funny guy, uh, but he's an intense guy. And those are the kinds of guys who win. They'll put their spikes in your neck to win. But when it's all said and done and, and he and he doesn't have to worry about a loss, he's a great guy to hang around with because he's hilarious.
0: Well, John, I know we could sit here and we could talk White Sox memories and we could talk Cardinal memories probably for another hour, but I know you have a game to get ready to do Thursday evening. And what's then that? It's big... the third inning. Oh, <laughs> I'm already late. <laughs> Uh, enjoy, enjoy yourself this weekend and uh, have, a, uh, have a great time and I uh, hope everything just goes perfectly for you.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, as I said, it's a real honor to be honored by my peers. Uh, that's, that's why it's so special. And to think of a lot of people who uh, are in the Missouri Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame who either ran radio stations, took the chance of putting those stations on the air and then running them for so long, serving their communities, And giving young people like me a chance back in 1971, without that chance to go on the air that day and do a five-minute sportscast, uh, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I might be trying to sell you an insurance policy, maybe. (laughs) And not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, I wouldn't have had the chance to live a dream of being a broadcaster.
0: Absolutely. John Rooney, thank you so much. You got it. That's Cardinal broadcaster John Rooney joining us here on Weekend Joe, driven by Mugginass St. Louis Acura and Mugginass Alton Toyota, also sponsored by the InSkip Law Firm. Find Corey InSkip online at InSkipLaw.com. Honest, affordable legal service. And you go to the website and you can easily scroll through all of the uh, different legal aspects that Corey can help you with, whether it is workers' comp, estate planning, uh, any any of uh, anything such as wills, trust, power of attorney, all of that. Corey is your guy, and you can find out all of the information there at inskiplaw.com. That's I-N-S-K-I-P-LAW dot com. 314-818-0344 is the phone number and, and the website just has everything that you uh, you would need to know for my guy, Cory InSkip, in Skip Law. Dot com. Take a break. When we come back, Joe Goldberg of Bally Sports Kansas City talks little Cardinals and Royals and a few Tony La Russa stories thrown in there as well right here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Alton Toyota here on Klaibsonline.com. You're listening to Weekend Joe here on claimsonline.com, sponsored by Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body is at 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville, and hey, they will work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. If you're in a collision with a deer or anything else, uh, Collinsville Auto Body will help you out, as I can speak to from past experience. Plus, I've known the family that's owned Collinsville Auto Body for at least the past 20 years now, maybe even. Even longer, and I can tell you that it's good people doing great work at Collinsville Auto Body 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Another fine sponsor here of Weekend Joe. And welcome back here to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, the Royals are in town this weekend, so we head across the state over to our good pal Joel Goldberg. Joel, what's going on? How are you?
4: I'm doing all right. Wish I could be there with you guys, which is always fun. But that's that's the world we live in right now. At least we have baseball, and uh, it's good to see you, Joe.
0: I, I know. I, I, I that's what I was going to start off by asking you is who who are you going to miss seeing the most at Busch Stadium, and then next weekend at Kauffman Stadium?
4: Klaims. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what? No, the cat, <laughs> um, everybody. I mean, you know, it's interesting because it's changed over the years, and I, I think, I, I don't know if this is the right way to describe the perspective. I think the first few years, I was back, oh, oh, eight, nine, ten, was amazing, but extremely overwhelming because, he, you know, it was still so close, and and then as the years have passed uh, by, I mean, it's you know, been fourteen years. It's in in some ways just become another stop on the road because when you're living on the road, traveling with a team all year long, it's next stop. So it became more normal like just any other place. And then it's just, you know, you you, you see some of those old friends. And so, you you know, you get that it's it's, it's more personal. But, I, you know, a lot of the ushers, a lot of people that have been around there for a long time, you walk in there and they remember who you are. And, and you know, then you start feeling like it's only been a few years. But my goodness, I mean, I, I was um, – Thirty-five years old when I left, and you know now I'm almost fifty years old, and uh, I had gray hair then. Now I got white hair, all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, it's it's for me, um, and I think I've said this to you before too. That this series is more about the fans than the players or the broadcasters and the media because we're so programmed just to go on to the next one, and so I, I miss that element of it of just seeing that that kind of back and forth, and and the fact that it it you know it means a lot.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, on the TV side of of things, I just got done talking with John Rooney and, you know, next week they get to go on the road Mm -hmm. TV side. You guys are are still stuck in, you know, whether it's homes or studios or however you guys are are doing it. And as you, it's been a year now, year plus that you guys have been doing this with the start of the season last year in July has it become normal or is it getting more frustrating? How would you describe the feeling of, of you guys still stuck at home when the team's on the road?
4: Uh, I think probably a little bit of everything with that. I mean, I'm not, my hesitation in answering is not, um, you know, it's not because it's an uncomfortable topic. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that almost every television broadcaster around the country would rather be Traveling because it's just easier for us to do our jobs. On a personal standpoint, of course, it's easier being home. Uh, I'm, I'm past the whole point. And I think my family's past the whole point of saying, "Yeah, it's so great to have them home." I mean, you know, uh, we would all always love to find a little bit more of a happy medium than the all or none, you know, of the baseball world. But most of us that have been in this as long as we have, and you know, I haven't been around doing this role as long as say a John Rooney or a Dan McLaughlin, but you know, I've been traveling with this Royals team since 2008 and did a, a decent amount of travel uh, before that, you know. And so it's just it's just different. I, is it better? I don't think so. Um, it is great to sleep in your own bed a lot of nights. It is great to, to, to miss less events with the kids and, and to have the ability when the team is hopping on a charter to, to wrap up a game and say, wait a minute, I can get to this tonight. But it's just a lot harder to do our jobs. And, I, and everybody's heard that for the play-by-play and the, the analysts – That's obvious. You know, for guys like me that do what I do, it's really, really hard to cultivate the stories and the relationships via Zoom and via text and via phone call. With that said, um, if I had the choice, if it were up to me, we'd be traveling. Again, I think that's pretty common for most. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. You know, a little over a year ago, we were out of work. So, you know, this, this certainly beats the alternative.
0: Yeah. And and with when you do get to do the games at at home, when uh, when the Royals are are there and you get to have a little fun with it now, too, you get to go back in the crowd and you get to see all of the uh, all the faces. So that's uh, that, you know, it's it's still building upwards to to allowing you to get back to a sense of normalcy, too.
4: No, I think that's a good point, and and I've thought about that a lot is that there there have been little bits of progress over and over again, so I'm glad some of the radio guys are starting oh. to get to travel. I know that ours is as well. Uh, we're still dealing with that home stuff. that's why you hear a dog barking right now who uh, of course, decided right now that she wants to bark. But that that's the world that we've been living in for a year and a half. Hey, and you saw normal. it. If I
0: would have if I would have hit record, you know, 30 seconds earlier, my my son would have made a cameo uh, yeah. here with his new Harry that's, Potter wizard or, right. uh, wand. So, yeah, and
4: that's that's <laughs> the way that it is. But, you know, I, I still think that the, the progress here for me is, you know, a couple of months ago, we still weren't even allowed in the field. And then it was, okay, you can go down in the field uh, with a mask, but you can't be in the dugout. And then it became, okay, you don't need a mask if you're vaccinated and you can be in the dugout. And so at least every other week at this point, I feel like I have the ability to connect with different guys and and get back to normal. So these little baby steps. When we saw small crowds to start, that small crowd felt much bigger than anything else. When then we saw bigger crowds and bigger crowds. And so – you know, opening day, eight 9,000 felt like a sellout. Uh, technically, I guess it was. So I think we're seeing baby steps, maybe not as far as we want, but, but it's still getting better.
0: I, I think that Mike Matheny, uh, you know, we, we all knew the relationship he had with the media, especially towards the end here in, in St. Louis. So with some of those issues with the, the covering the team, and now that you guys get that access back, how has, uh, how has the Cardinals, former manager, been with, uh, with you guys?
4: You know, I feel like we're lucky, um, and, and in some ways, this is the second time through that that many of us in in Kansas City have dealt with that, with this because we got Ned Yost after after things didn't end great in Milwaukee. We got Mike Matheny after things maybe didn't end great in St. Louis, and you know, like all of us, you know, me included, I mean, things didn't end, end bad for me in in St. Louis. I I left for for a better job, uh, in, in terms of my role, but. Um you know, when you move on to that next job, you usually you usually take what you learn from the last one and and so I know in Ned Yost's case, uh, he was he was easier to deal with for us than what they sometimes said in Milwaukee all, all, although he he could be challenging at times too. and I think if I mentioned that to him right now, he would agree with me. Mike has not been challenging at all. Mike's been unbelievable. and so i I think you know, my experience with Mike is is pretty unique because, I mean, I talked to him a few times when the Royals and Cardinals played, but my experience with Mike has been early in my career when he was a player, and now at this point as a manager. And he has been very easy to deal with every single day. Um, He's very available and present. Uh, We're, you know, the manager's press conferences, I'm, I'm sure it's still the same there too, are via Zoom. But when we're at home and down on the field, uh, you know, he's walking around and, and and usually chatting with all of us as well. And um, so he's he's been great with us and, and very, uh, very easy to communicate with. And so, you know, whatever did or did not go wrong in St. Louis, and this is my hope when he came here, hasn't been an issue at all uh, in two seasons here. And I think, you know, guys learn from whatever whatever went wrong or what they think they got wrong or what the criticism was. And I think he's been a different guy. I can't speak to what it was in St. Louis. I hear different things. I hear a lot of people that, that loved Mike and others that, that didn't love him so much. Uh, but he's been great with us. And, you know, as you know, when, uh, when you've got a manager that it's accessible and easy to deal with, it just makes life easier when you don't have that, you know, uh, I spent a lot of years with Tony La Russa and then a lot of years with Med Yost, you had to work a little bit harder with both of those guys. None, neither of those two, I just had a great talk with with uh, Tony LaRusso last week. Um, and nice to be able to have that talk without any pressure of, you know, asking the right or wrong questions, we were just BSing. But when, w- w- with guys like Tony and Ned, you had to work a little harder for it, but they were, it was never personal. So if they were messing with you, if they didn't like a question, if they didn't, I mean, Tony and I joked about some of, some of uh, the questions he didn't like of mine over the years. But I, I know that the next day, Still, always available with Mike. I haven't had one of those tough moments yet, so it's it, to me that's just been uh, that's been easier.
0: I, I was going to ask later on about uh, La Russa and getting to see him in a dugout this year. <laughs> and I mean, you you know, you were there. You were you you saw him yeah. towards the end of his career here in St. Louis, or in the prime of his career, prime, I guess here in St. Louis to see that ten years later. I, I mean, at the beginning of the year, you had to be shocked that that it was even happening.
4: Yes and no. I mean, I, I if I had to go on the side of not surprised versus shocked, I guess I would say shocked. But there's still that part of me that says that you know, till the day he dies, he he's never going to be able to get away from baseball. I mean, if you look at even since he retired, I, I can't tell you how many times I saw him uh, in a in a press box or at a stadium working for the Diamondbacks or the or the Red Sox. I mean, he. He could never get away from the game. I mean, this guy, it's just what he does. And the funny part about that is that he is so well-read and so, you know, uh, so exposed to everything in life because of his interests and and the access that he has had. He can go disappear and listen to music and read books and raise money for ARF and do all these things, but yet it seems like that game just always pulls him back. So from that standpoint, I'm not surprised that he's back in knowing the way the White Sox work as much as there was a lot of pushback. And, there, you know, there, there's a lot of anti larusa in Chicago right now. But, uh, you know, I, I'm fascinated with Tony right now at how he is changing. I mean, you know, you say he can't teach an old, old dog new tricks, but I don't see him as the same guy at this moment. Now, there's plenty of the same stuff in the quirkiness. I mean, I can't believe last week at Kaufman Stadium I said, Tony – how. I hadn't seen him, you know, in, in a few years. So I said, Tony, how are you doing? And right as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, and he goes. <laughs> and right as I'm like, and right as he's about to say, ask me at, you know, 10 o'clock, I, I just said, wait, I, I know better than that. He goes, that's a bad question. You know better than that. And I said, I know. <laughs> um, but then he but then he very proudly said to me, he has a new iteration of that when they're at home. Uh, when someone says, uh, how are you doing? His response now is, I hope I can let you know after eight and a half innings, uh, you know, not having the bat in the bottom of the ninth if they're at home, which did not happen as we're recording this uh, in Chicago last night as the Royals won. But he is, I was talking to John Mabry about this because, you know, we have a coaching staff full of ex-Cardinals. Some that were here before Mike Matheny, too. I mean, our hitting coach briefly played for the Cardinals, Terry Bradshaw. John Mabry uh, came in with Mike Matheny. Cal Eldred's the pitching coach. I'm missing one other uh, as well, which will pop into my head. I think at some point and a lot of guys in the minor leagues as well, which were as much Dayton Moore hires as, um, as Mike Matheny. But I was asking John Mabry because he played for him in two stints with the Cardinals and he's one of our coaches now here. And, and I said, is he the same? Is, is he just as intense? And he said, he said, he's the same, but he's mellowed. He said, I mean, he still has the same intensity for winning. But you know, he's older now. And and then he made the joke and he goes, and and of course he limps to the mound when he walks out there too. Or as we saw recently, he right. he um, I don't know what that was on that that jog or that run. It wasn't a run. Um that that sort of I mean it looked more like Don Zimmer than it than it did Tony La Russa. But you know, in, in talking to him and watching too, just watching from up in the, the press box or our booth. Um I see a guy that's a little bit more hands-off not that he was always hands-on I you know even like during during batting practice um just less active you know more more sitting back overseeing it but you know I I, I'm very fascinated right now to see what he does because I I believe that the White Sox I'm just trying to check myself here if there's anyone yeah I mean the only team that I see with more talent right now in the American League would be the Astros as much as you know they're America's most hated team right now. But uh, between the Astros and the White Sox, I, I, it doesn't always work out this way. But I think that those two teams, I mean, the White Sox, the amount of pitching they have is absurd. And and then they add some pieces with bullpen and they're getting healthier and they've been hurt all year. I mean, they've been hurt all year with major injuries and they're still running away with with the division. That's not a good division. Um, but I, I, I'm really fascinated to see what Tony Larusa can do. Managing a team that that arguably has the best talent in the major leagues or in the American League.
0: Let's talk about this Royals team that we will see the next two weekends here. Uh, in uh, as as fans of the Cardinals, are you surprised that they didn't trade more away at the uh, at the deadline?
4: Not really. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been really lucky that in my fourteen years here, I've I've been with the same general manager, so I feel like I have a very good read on Dayton Moore and now let me preface all that by saying he he can be unpredictable in the sense that i don't know that there is an organization that that has less leaks so they just he has very loyal people working for him that will not throw those little those little secrets out there so whenever i see talk about The Seattle Mariners are interested in Whit Merrifield. First off, everybody's interested in Whit Merrifield. That doesn't mean that they're trading him. Uh, So you never know what he's going to do. But what I know about him as a man and as a GM is he's less transactional. And that's just who he is as a person, too. Then let's say like the Padres who seem to every moment they get bring on a new player. And I don't know if it's a matter of better or worse. But we we saw this back uh, a few years ago when he had the opportunity at the deadline to trade an Eric Hosmer or Lorenzo Cain, and he probably could have sped up the process on the rebuild sooner since they were going to be free agents. And he wanted to keep the band together again, right or wrong move, and say, I owe it to the fans and the community to try to put the best product out there. And, you know, when they didn't make it to the playoffs that year, this was after their championship runs, there was criticism for it. Now... In turn, they ended up getting two compensation picks that are in the rotation right now. So, you know, there's a long play. There's a short play. Uh, The thing, and I, I, I think most GMs say this. I don't know if they believe it or not. He has never been a guy to make a move for the sake of making a move. I think that's somewhat standard. But I've always heard him say that no one's untouchable. And that's true, right? Anybody can be traded in a Herschel Walker type of deal. It just never happens. Mike Trout could be available. Salvador Perez could be available. Nolan Arenado could be available. But the, probably the price tag is never going to happen. So, you know, you can be logical with this. Okay, he's not trading Salvador Perez. But I think he's the same way with a lot of pieces like a Whitmerry field. Would it make sense to speed up the 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 process and, and trade away a Whit Merrifield um, and, and get a bigger piece back, perhaps. But if it's not the piece he wants back, he's not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. So, you know, he moved Jorge Soler. You guys saw that recently. Um, apologize for that because he is str- he struggled in April, May, and June. Couldn't hit a thing. And then I knew, like, the middle of July, he started heating up and carrying the the Royals with home runs every game. And I thought, okay, they'll get something for him. And they got a, you know, they got a relief prospect for him and they traded Danny Duffy. That was an emotional one too. I mean, Danny Duffy was drafted in 2007. You know, he and Salvador Perez were the only players that were here in the organization that were still here now when I got here or were then. Uh, but, you know, he's at the end of a contract and and they were able to, to get a player to be named later, which should be actually a decent player. And, um, they could always bring either of those guys back. I don't think they will with Soler. but I, I just I think that he was okay standing pat unless there was an offer that he said, "I can't turn this down. We got to do it." When
0: uh, this this is me asking for fantasy reasons, when will we see Bobby <laughs> Witt Jr. as a uh, member of the Royals?
4: I <laughs> I think there's a good chance that we could see him in September. I mean, September is obviously a little bit different right now because you're going from 26 to 28, not from 26 to 40 on the roster, which I love, by the way, it's one of the things that always bugged me about this sport is, is one team has 40 and another has 31 and and you're supposed to be competing on an even playing field. Not to mention the, you know, 20 pitchers in the bullpen and and all that, but uh, they certainly don't have to bring him up all the talk that I heard early in the year was that there's a good chance we could see him if he goes and does what he's supposed to do. He's been doing what he's supposed to do. You know, they moved him a few weeks ago from double A to triple A and it's like, he didn't miss a beat. So I I think he's, I think he's probably the biggest prospect they've had in my time here, but we'll see. I mean, if that, that statement might not mean anything if, if he doesn't turn into what we, we thought he was going to do. We've had some big ones like Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakas and um alex gordon which which was a little before i got here but you saw that come to fruition after quite a bit of time but this kid's got high baseball iq comes from a baseball family so he knows how to handle himself good defense good speed power i mean i i, I think there's a chance that we see him you know within the next there's always a chance we could see him here in august too um, but I, I, think there's a chance we see him in August and September. I don't think it's a lock. I don't think it's a guarantee. They have some stud pitchers that are knocking on the door and been up and down a little bit that that they may want to get up as well.
0: Well, Joel, I appreciate the, uh, the time, uh, enjoy covering this series from home and then, uh, seeing, uh, a few, a few, f- uh, familiar faces next yeah. weekend when the Cardinals make their way West for the I-70 series.
4: Yeah, I guess we'll see Rooney or maybe some of the radio guys. So it'll be good to see them. And it's been kind of nice to see some of the radio guys come into town just to see some friendly faces that, you know, some of our buddies that we haven't seen for a while. And and I think I've said this to you before, too, The the um, Cardinal thing is weird to me because there are only two guys that are there when I was there. And I've been saying that for years now. It's just Wainwright and Molina. That's it. So I don't know any of the rest of your guys. You know, it's just it's <laughs> it, like I, I know American League teams better than them. But it'll be good to see both of them. Um, you know, it was fun seeing Wayno last year. I think I talked briefly with Yachty, too. So it'll be fun. Always fun to watch them play. And um, wish I could see everybody back in St. Louis, but we'll do it next year. Joel, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Joe.
0: That's Joel Goldberg of Valley Sports, Kansas City. Uh, he'll be on the uh, the call this weekend on the TV side of things for the Royals, but will not be here. But he will be uh, there at Kauffman Stadium next weekend when the Cardinals make their way out to Kansas City head uh, west on the for the I70 series two weekends in a row of Royals and Cardinals and the next year at who who knows what the hell they're doing with the schedule next year with with the, the Royals and Cardinals series, it's it, it just looks like such a uh, such a huge mess. But hey, hey, if you find yourself in a mess with your car, Collinsville Auto Body is who you need to call uh, if you want to make that trip uh, west, north, southeast, wherever you want to go and you need your car back fast. Collinsville Auto Body is where you can go. 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville for Collinsville Auto Body. Find them, uh, find them there, or just uh, look them up. Uh, like I said, nine one one North Bluff Road. Go find them online. Give them a call. Ask Stephanie about all of the uh, the, the services that they offer. And they'll help you get behind the wheel of a uh, of your rental car too, as they work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. They will do whatever it takes to get you in and out uh, as fast as possible. Callensville Autobody. Body. We take another break when we come back. Crack slippers wrapping this up here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota. It's KlebsOnline.com. The InSkip Law Firm wants you to know that whether you need a will or trust, long-term care planning for a loved one, a special needs trust, or more, that you've come to the right place with them. Maybe you don't know what you need. At the InSkip Law Firm, they explain everything that you need to know, and they answer every question. And their process is easy, straightforward, and understandable. There's no preparation necessary and nothing to bring. Their services are customized to suit your unique needs and wishes, and they will work with you to uncomplicate the complicated. The Inskip Law Firm prides themselves on responsiveness and quick turnaround. You'll always know the fees up front and always receive a personalized plan that reflects your own unique needs. You can call now to set up a COVID-safe in-person or virtual consultation at 314 818 or find them online at inskiplaw.com. Back here on Weekend Joe, final segment here of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Alton Toyota, Joe Roderick, Andy Hanselman here with you. Hope you enjoyed the interviews with John Rooney and Joel Goldberg. That uh, that we brought to you Uh, again. Hey, speaking of John Rooney, I mentioned it earlier and I mentioned it during the interview there. uh, Klaibs and Mike Shannon on the call in KMOX this weekend as John Rooney will be in Branson to get his uh, Hall of Fame induction to the Missouri Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, Munganass Alton Toyota, it's about one month away before I'll be renting a car from Munganass Alton Toyota for my summer end of the summer road trip you can do the same at Ass Alton Toyota just hit me up find a way to hit me up and I will give you Jamie Burkhardt's number and you can set it up with him you can set it up with one of the owners out there at Ass Alton Toyota and he will get you behind the wheel of a uh, of a car that you will probably want to buy when you're uh, when you come back from that uh, Joe, from that trip yeah
2: i'm renting a car from Ass Toyota this week you are. What kind is uh, Jamie giving you this week? We have a Toyota Sienna. Ooh. Bring it up on Wednesday. Yeah. Or Mrs. Hanson went to drive down to uh, drive down to Georgia. Very nice. Yeah.
3: So, I have.
0: Uh, I'm not Toyota. sure what uh, what we're getting uh, yet. This is something I need to talk with Jamie about here in the very near future. So need to uh, need to figure all of this. Uh, no, need to figure all this out. I'm probably it's probably gonna be minivan. Probably gonna be the minivan. So yeah they're just
2: yeah. excellent travel vehicles
0: yep so we'll uh we'll we will do just uh we will do just that so gonna ask alton toyota find them online alton toyota.com ask st louis acura find them online at st louis we need to wrap
2: things up with some crack slippers joe some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news and we picked those stories up here on weekend joe these are the crack slippers with joe roderick on claims Hey, you remember former Cardinal John Axford? I do remember John Axford. 20- John Axford, a very, very good, what's that? 2016 Cardinals? I don't remember exactly what year, but the thing
0: I remember John Axford m- most for, beyond uh, besides amazing facial hair, is John Axford is just incredible when it comes to predicting the Oscars. Is he really now? He is. I mean, I I, he, I think one, I mean, he has gone perfect in predicting the major awards at the Oscars, the major categories there. Sound editing. He's probably very really good at picking the sound editing. Yeah. So John Axford, relief pitcher, um, is was traded at the trade deadline, which I, I think a lot of people might be surprised that John Axford was still playing baseball. 38 years old. 38 years old, traded from the Blue Jays to Milwaukee and how you might think, oh, I didn't know he was on the Blue Jays. Well, that's because he actually has not pitched in the major league since 2018. To start the 2021 season, he was actually a studio analyst for the Blue Jays television broadcast, (laughs) but he then pitched for Team Canada in an Olympic qualifier and then signed a minor league deal with the Blue Jays on June 24th. He pitched in nine relief appearances for the Blue Jays' Triple A Buffalo affiliate, went 1-0 with a .84 ERA. 10 and two-thirds innings, 14 strikeouts, three walks. Opposing hitters were hitting 061 against him. Wow. Yeah. You see, he uh, the trade deadline was Friday, Andy. Right. John Axford was traded on Tuesday. Because he is not on the Blue Jays' 40-man roster. Oh. (laughs) So he was able to be moved. Right, non-waiver. To the Brewers. Back to the Brewers. Right, he's been with the Brewers before. I think the Cardinals. He was on the Brewers 2009 to 2013. Then he left the Brewers and joined the Cardinals in 2013. Cleveland in 14, Pittsburgh in 14, Colorado in 15, Oakland in 16 and 17, Toronto in 18, and the Dodgers in 18. He pitched for all 30 teams. He is not. He is not Edwin Jackson. Okay. So I, I'm saying all this, and you think, why the hell do I care that John Axford was traded? Why? Why do I care about that? Well, because the Cardinals acquired two 38 year old pitchers. They the 37 year old pitchers, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> to get John Lester, 37 year old lefty, the Cardinals gave up
2: Lane Thomas. Right. 35. Number thirty five in your on your program. Yes.
0: Right. The Brewers to acquire John Axford from the Blue Jays gave up one dollar.
2: A dollar? One dollar. One dollar. How's how's that work, Joe? It gave
0: him up for cash considerations. And it now was a- Andy, oh. Andy, Andy, the uh, the rate right now to the Canadian dollar. Actually means in the Canadian, do- the Canadians got a dollar 25, I guess, when they converted that one dollar from Milwaukee into Ooh. Canadian money, they got a dollar 25. Because the county was pitching in Buffalo, though. I, I, you're you're asking wait, you're asking questions that are way above uh very, my my pay grade here. Yeah, I'm
2: a very analytical person, Jeff.
0: right? So, yeah, one dollar, huh? Do you think they did you just Venmo that to somebody? Yeah, I think so. Just go, hey, cash considerations. Okay, what do you want? A dollar. Okay. A dollar. What's your Venmo?
2: What are the last four numbers of your phone number? All right, I think I got you here. All right. It still blows my mind that the Rockies give the Cardinals $50 million and no Leonardo.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> $50 million.
0: Like, yeah, th- I mean, that would be like, okay, the Blue Jays could have been like, hey, we'll give you John Axford
2: and a dollar. Okay, got, Brewers. Like, they just, they got a dollar back for him. Did the dollar, I mean, it, it, I guess maybe that's, that's, that's the minimum transaction amount. <sighs> I, I guess it has to be, right? And when you, if you get the dollar in your Venmo, Joe, do you, do you do the instant transfer? Or do you, do you save the fee and do it a day later? <sighs> Andy,
0: I accidentally transferred all of my Venmo money to my main account this week.
2: Accidentally? Yeah. So, tr- transfer it to Mrs. Roderick and have her give it back to you. She doesn't have Venmo. It's just you know what. She it's just
0: have- gonna sit there, and I'm just gonna have to build up my Venmo account again.
2: Who doesn't have Venmo? Venmo to me. I'll Venmo it back over to you. I'm not trusting you with that.
0: Do you really not think I'll, I would Venmo I'll, you? I'll ever? lose. I'll you'll 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 start to skim off some pennies off of there. Mm. I'm on to your game. Yeah, Joe. Venmo me all your money. <laughs> I, I i what the bad thing was about it was that i immediately contacted venmo and they're like nope sorry i already transferred it
2: oh it happens like, it instantly.
0: immediately
2: oh yeah and they're
0: like when did you do this within the last hour i'm like within the last five minutes they're like yep too late i'm like then why the hell did you ask me if i did it with did it within oh, the last right. hour
2: <laughs> like why was that a question <laughs> I mean, you can't you can just fun you, you can't just take it back out of your checking account and put it back in your venmo you cannot you can't transfer money directly from your checking account to your venmo i i looked it up i don't think you can Why wouldn't you be able
0: to do that? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I probably will end up Venmoing you money and having you Venmo it back to me just so I can do this. (laughs) That probably
2: will be the end result here.
0: (laughs) Just because it was just nice to have it. And I know it would take it right out of your account, but it's just just nice to have it sitting
2: there. So manage balance, add money, transfer money into your Venmo balance from a linked bank account. Are you, where are you looking at this? So you go into the Venmo app. Yep, okay. and then you hit the the three bars at the upper right hand corner, mm-hmm. and you hit Manage Balance. I don't have that. Do you not have your checking accounts linked? Or just I have it card? only attached to my uh, to your my debit. debit card. Oh, you have to link your checking account. Ah, gotcha. I'll figure it out. It takes three to five days for it to go back.
0: I know. I said, I'll or figure just, it all out. It or was just, a, it or was just something that I did that was stupid that I that upset me this week. Or just send it to me and I'll get it to you. It'll be like instantaneous. Right. Exactly. Which is probably what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. So just whatever. Send it to me and I'll I'll take, yeah. I'll take my, my, my typical 66% processing fee.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: or or I can or I can pay you back in four easy installments and one really hard installment. <laughs> it's gonna be one of those things
0: too where I'm gonna transfer it to you and like I'm going to want it back like within a minute and be like, Andy,
2: send it back. Andy, right. send it back right send now. Me the money. Send it back. Send me the fucking money. Where's the money?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, all right, we, we get, we're getting way off track here, but we do need to wrap things up here. Uh, the fun show today, John Rooney and Joe Goldberg, thank you so much to them for jumping on with us today. We will be back with you next weekend for Andy Hanselman. I am Joe Roderick. This has been Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Alton Toyota right here on KlabesOnline.com.
1: St. Louis Acura is excited to announce the opening of our newly remodeled service lounge. We sell pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models and take pride in servicing what we sell. We offer free pickup and delivery service and a complimentary car wash and vacuum with every service. We also have a full service reconditioning shop on site that can repair dents, buffers, and wheels. As the nation's only 29-time Acura Precision Team winner for customer satisfaction, we work every day to make St. Louis Acura better than ever for you.